Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. I want to share something uh, that has been on my heart these few days. Um, and you heard what I preached on Sunday, or for those of you who attended on Tuesday with us where we were, if you're here, you're going to see a correlation to this, but we are, you know, this, this week, the things that we're, the Lord is revealing to us now, I feel they're very sensitive for us as Christians. They're very, we're in a very critical moment of Christianity. Very critical moment of Christianity. 2013, I think, around... It should have been around September. I remember I was with the boys and we were going somewhere. And I told the boys that there is something the Lord had started to release from about 2015, 2013 in September. I remember very well. It should have been September. So through about September, November, da, 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 da. And then I said to tell them, notice how the Lord is, is, is causing men to respond to him. You get it? And if you... Go chronologically according to the word, but also the history of the church. You realize that many of the prophecies that have been delivered by individuals over the years have pointed to a certain season that began about 2013. Has been consequent the whole of 2014. And that's why some of you, many of you actually, 2014 has been a very sensitive year of reawakening in personal lives. Many people's spirits were reawakened. You understand? But that season began about 2013. It should have been about September-ish there. The heavens, the Lord was releasing something on people. And I remember I told um, one of the boys of some of the, well, it was sad to say, but I saw a lot of replacements in the spirit. And I told the guys, I told them, watch. There are going to be replacements in the spirit. There are even going to be signs, political Last year, I was driving with Pastor Zach, and I told him a few men which were not going to finish this term politically. I told him, you remember? He asked me something. He told me, where do you see these guys go? I told him, between me and you, within just a few months, I don't see those men in offices. And they've lost, they've lost their offices. But you see, those are just signs of the bigger picture. What was God really up to? in the church, in the body of Christ. What is God really up to in the body of Christ? What is, what is the meaning of this moment to you as a believer, as an individual? Now, I want to get you away from a certain life and then probably speak a few things in the other realm. Eh? But I know either you'll find me there or we shall meet there. But allow me to start. Psalms 119, verse uh, 96. It's a famous quote. Many people know this verse, or some. But uh, today I wanted to show you something. And the Bible says, one, two, three, let's go. I have seen an end of all perfection, but thy commandment is exceeding broad. Read it again. I have seen the end of all perfection, but thy commandment is exceeding broad. Read it the last time. I have seen an end of all perfection, but thy commandment is exceeding broad. When you read about the psalmist, you realize that this was an experience of a man who was entirely a living soul. The Bible says that the first Adam was a living soul and the second Adam was a life-giving spirit. And it says, how be that the first was natural and the second was spiritual. Meaning that the people who live before the New Testament dispensation are natural men trying to have spiritual experiences. You get it? If you're talking of Peter walking on water, it was a natural man walking on water. If you're talking of um, uh, Elijah running faster than the chariots of the king, he is 
faster by the natural man having a spiritual experience. And therefore, it's very possible for a natural man to have a spiritual experience. It's very natural. You understand? The Bible says that the children of the world have become wiser than the children of light in this generation. They've become more effective in, in the things of the spirit than the children which are of the spirit. Meaning that there is a distribution freely by prevenient grace going out to the people who are not spiritual than it is being distributed to the people which are spiritual. It doesn't mean that these things are not available. It only means that there's a place where we've missed the point. And that's the point I want to nail today. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. For he says, and the Lord commended the unjust steward because he had done wisely. For, listen, the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. Now, when you come from the word generation, it's gene, in their genes. In the human gene, they are wiser than the children of the light. Meaning, the people of the, of the world have a particular genealogy. There is a way their genes are coded and interpreted. That's not how your genes are. You have different genes. The Bible says that you've been begotten not of flesh and blood, neither the will of man, but you've been born of God. Being born of God means that you have a particular DNA. You have a, a certain D gene. There's, there's a gene in you that, that is not and cannot be like the gene of the natural man. The Bible says that even though you are in them, you're not of them. You get where I'm coming from? Even though you're in them, you're not of them. But a man can wake up in the morning, sell his soul to the devil, start devil worshipping 100% and start to tell the future entirely by demons. Let me tell you something. There is a place the devil can see in your future and there's a place the devil can't see. You get it? And that's why even the, the dimensions of prophecy start to be different. You get where I'm coming from? A man who is a sorcerer, entirely sorcerer, Look at the lady which finds the apostles passing going to pray. She says, these are the servants of the most high God, which have been sent to show us the way. That's the farthest she could go. The Bible says that she brought her master's much gain by her soothsaying. She had a spirit on her, which was not of God. But it could tell that this is a minister of the gospel. It could tell that they were sent by God to show the way. That means by divine mandate, there was a certain appointment in the spirit that the Lord could allow for the devil to see. Some people say that the devil knows nothing about your future. No, you're wrong. He can and knows certain things about your future. The only challenge with Christians is they can only go as far as the devil can see. I don't know that you understand what I'm saying. They can only go as far as the devil can see. One time there was a, a family. They went to a certain person. So the person was a prophetess also, I don't know. But another kind of prophetess. So they went for prayers. And um, when they reached there, this was another spirit working in the person. It wasn't the true spirit of the prophet according to the scriptures. But this was another spirit of a prophet. And while they're seated there, they start to talk to this woman because she knows everything. She can tell people. And then she sees them and says... You two are coming from a man called Apostle Grace Lubega. This is a prophetess in the other world. And then they said, yeah. And she said, I can't give you any word except to tell you go back to him. There was, there was a place that seed could not sit under that kind of prophet. And that prophet manipulates it. It's not pride. It's not pride. There's a place in God where you must go past any sorcerer should go. I don't know that you understand what I'm saying. There is a place in God where you should go, where any sorcerer can go. Or if they should want to go, they should fear to go into a certain line of judgment to minister to a seed which is not yours. I never knew the woman. She had never met me. But in the other realm, she knew that even though we do sorcery in our own way and can prophesy on many, this kind of seed we can't speak into its life. You get it? Why? Because there's a difference between the things the devil can see about you and the things God can reveal about you. Amen. There's a difference between the prophet in the world and the prophet which is of the spirit. You get where I'm coming from? You understand where I'm coming from? 
the children of this world can be exposed to certain things by reason of how much. The other day, I switched on a television and live before people's eyes. Live. A man stood in front of camera, got a white sheet, disappeared in thin air. And this happened on social media. Television, that tube. You get it? Now this guy, I've seen him on certain programs sometimes carry people by his own powers. Then he just, da, 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 da. then you see a human body standing up. They're not manipulating. They're not doing camera tricks. They're just doing their craft in the other world. I saw this guy one time walking on water. How many of you know that that program exists somewhere? Those hands can tell you. This was not a delusion. They were not playing with our eyes. No. The guy just went on water and started walking. He jumped off a building and disappeared in thin air. And this was life. You get it? They are sensitive to the spirit realm than we are. They've become wise in their own generation. Flesh and blood has adopted and mutated through a certain wisdom in the darkest sense of sorcery to disappear before thin air. Not by the Holy Ghost, but by another spirit. And they've done it before television. Do you understand what I'm saying? The question now is, what is in that world? How does that world respond so to them that they can have control to make any man see what they want him to see in this world. If it is a lie, then they have become too wise in their lie that the naked eye can see. I'm not talking of tricks. There are those things you see and you realize they're just trickery. But a man can't disappear before thin air. One time when I was young, I was walking around, I was just going home, and then I bumped into a man, a man life like this. And this guy got razors, razors, razor blades, eh? nasset. Who remembers in that city? <laughs> huh? He just got them and started, Ga, Fanta, Ga, Fanta, Ga, Fanta, Ga, Fanta. And I'm watching like this. And I'm saying, wow. Natural human being, flesh and blood, heart pumping oxygen, has just swallowed razors when I'm watching. You get it? The scriptures tell you of the sorcerers in the days of Samuel. Which got to a place, <laughs> the Bible says, that they went into the graveyard to conjure up the spirit of Samuel. Knowing very well the scriptures say that he was a natural man. But they, they had a wisdom, an understanding that could bring out something called Samuel. And that something came up. You get it? How did they sit down to think it's possible? To get a man from the dead to bring a prophecy to a king. How can they think? You see, see how the world thinks. See, see how far they've gone in faith. That by the devil, the man can have faith to say, I can go to that grave and bring back that guy and he gives me a prophecy. They believe it. They're not stupid. They believe it. Now, whatever they bring up, it might be like Samuel. It's not Samuel. It's just a, some familiar. It must be a familiar spirit like Samuel, but it cannot be Samuel. But by the time they even think they can go to the grave to bring up the spirit of a dead man. And these are men which are not spiritual. They are entirely 100% natural. How can it be so that the children of that life are living a certain realm. And the children of this life in the gospel are natural human beings. They are more natural than the other guys. Think about it. They are more natural than the other guys. Do you know that if you start to do crazy things, you become cult automatic? We don't even talk about it. We don't even talk about it. We, we don't even discuss it. You understand? The other day somebody put a rumor, oh, no, those guys, ah, that's speed. No, they're not born again. They cannot be. There's something about them. It's, it must be cultic. Why? Because, you see, they expect, there's a certain thing we define as Christianity. There's something we define as ministry. There's something we define as church. There's something we define as work. There's something we've, designed, we've defined in our minds as worship. He's my witness. One time I was preaching in a church in Kawempe. I entered on the pulpit like this and I stood. And, you know, before I started preaching, there were these guys. They, I don't know where they were coming from, but they also came because they... You remember that, 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 that day, Apostle Emma? And they were supposed to have a whole night. And then the pastor, Joseph, which was also serving in the mother and father's church, said, before you guys 
come on, on this and that, before you do your own business, I want you to give that guy about 35 or 30 minutes. They first refused, they debated, and then they said, okay, we're going to give him those 35 minutes. And then I sat. And then they said they wanted to bring a certain guy on the pulpit. They brought a guy first who also took time to teach guys funny things. I also don't know. And when I was, while I was seated on that chair, the spirit said audibly, I'm lifting off. You get it? But the moment you get on that pulpit, you might not be able to teach or preach. I told him, yes, sir. I sat down. Then the first guy did his first hour. And then they were, they were making fun. They were making fun. You know how sometimes, you know, there's a, there's a I'm, I'm sorry to use a strong word, there's a stupidity. I've seen today in Christian church. It's called fun. But young people, there's a way they define fun, but it is just stupidity. Have you been in a place where people, oh no, you know, we, we have this deception of, oh no, we are young people, we must have fun. Yes, it's true. But there's a time where the fun becomes too carnal. Too carnal. That any man in the other realm would know there's a problem with this. There's just a problem with this. Who understands what I'm saying? You see, Christianity is fun. We also have fun. We make fun. The guys were dancing the way here. You get it? But they're just, just not dancing. If I called you, Peter, and I gave him a mic to preach, you'd be so shocked how much he knows. That guy, Peter, if I put him here and I told him to speak for 35 minutes, you'd be so shocked how much is in his spirit. But it's one thing to also dance empty. <laughs> it is a spirit of compromise that has gone too far, that the spirit of the world has eaten up men, that almost 365 days a year, a man can be a gospel artist, and he has never been spiritual. They go to our pulpits, they sing stuff. By the time you're off, you understand? There is nothing except a dissipation of spirit. A place where you feel stumbled in your heart. Because this artist doesn't even know God, but he's a gospel artist. And we no longer know the difference anymore between a guy really singing worship and gospel wherever he is and guys who are just playing on our pulpits. We don't know the difference. Do you know why we call New Testament on the pulpit? Because I've gotten reports from pastors when he was singing and tumors disappears, eyes, eyes open, deaf ears open. When he was worshiping, dancing, that dance of his, he can just say, I'm going to sing, but by the time I'm done, check yourself, and you check yourself, and he's healed. But that's the kind of worship I know. You get it? I was a worshiper primarily before I started preaching. I can tell you, the reason why they called me to preach was because they have seen lame men walking while I was worshiping. They saw demons leaving men while I was worshiping. They saw people healed in the meetings, bones getting in order while we were worshiping. That's the kind of worship I understand. It cannot tickle my fancy enough to appease my brain and not minister to my spirit, and I compromise. So, you see, the church doesn't even know. You see, in, in Christianity, there's something we call healthy compromises. They exist. If you never know, they do. If your grandmother goes and buys a very old, a very yellow or, or red wig, and she's too old, and she says, how do I look? Healthily compromise. The woman took hours to buy that. Tell her, judge on you, me. You don't tell her, oh, God, why are you putting that yellow? Oh, my God. She's old. Besides, who's going to say to her? Nobody. Let her move with her. Maroon what? Hey, yeah. Because when she went to the shop, she saw it was good. Even God, when he created the earth, he said, and he saw, and he said it was good. She, by the time she is sure it's good for her, you leave her. She's not going to do any harm having a maroon wig. No. She's, she's not abusing anyone. Let the old woman put on her wig. Let someone else say it. Healthy compromise, you're smart. Why? Because she has spent too much money and time working on that. But there's also places in the Christian faith where we cannot have, where some compromises are not healthy. You get what I'm trying to tell you? So you go to youth conferences, you come out more carnal than you entered. One time they called me for a conference. This happened. I know there are even people here who are there. And they had a fashion show. Shakara Matala. There's a little girl who was putting on a blue dress and it had a slit like, say, hey man, me, I'm standing there, I'm next preaching. And then she's coming with her fashion. Man, I wanted to stand up and <laughs> fashion show. Slit is like, yes, it yes. Hey. Who understands what I'm saying? Do you understand what I'm saying? At that point, I was asking, hey, I mean, nobody can bring that nonsense on my pulpit. But it's my fashion show. Okay, put on a long dress and fashion. I don't even walk like Naomi. 
Walk a bit more spiritual. You're walking like cats, cats, cats. Got to walk. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord Jesus. So these young people made fun. And you know the, the programmer. I was single, but you are. Truly, one no, no, no. Now the single. Sing the single. Oh, Limba. Twaredi. Oh, yeah, you know. Overnight. People have lost sleep. Overnight. And now to me, I hope. What do you want to go? Many to know you are my new community in a mass. Oh, but I can't really sing. Oh, young. Some will come. And they're making fun. They're just making fun. Holy Ghost just went to do his own business. You understand? And then after all their nonsense, they finished and they just said, you know how the guy said, program. So you understand? Theirs is the program, mine is there. So I get on the pulpit. And then I say, Jesus, I thank you. The moment I said, I thank you. The anointing got the first guy here. He was seated next to me. It threw him in the back of the church. It got another one in the back of the church. Threw this one, this ends. Then got another third person, threw the other one. Two pastors, he's my witness. Two pastors ran out of the meeting immediately. <laughs> I'm not talking of three minutes. No. They say so, phew, phew, phew. Then he gets up. They went up. Two. Am I lying? Two. They'd never seen angelic throwing men like tennis balls. They called his mother, which my, my host. They asked her, I know what. She asked them, is that why you called me? They said, yes. She just went back to pray. She, she was like, Mary, do what he tells you. But how a man can come out of Bible school and conclude the spirit can't move this far? He has spent years in Bible school only to come out with a conclusion that the spirit... Let me tell you, we just don't give ourselves to these things. We just don't give ourselves to these things. We just, listen, we just don't give ourselves to these things. But the spirit world is crazy. It is crazy. I can't explain how he was carrying individuals. I can't explain how a 60, 75 kg guy is carried in the air. I just know there is an anointing that exists that can carry more than a man. You see, some of you say, oh, we believe in the rapture. How do you think you're going to be raptured? There must be a truth too infallible to make your bodies lighter. You see, many people, see, the last line of prophecy is, and the gospel of this realm, of the realm of the kingdom, shall be preached and the end shall come. When, when the end shall come, there shall be a particular message, enough to carry a man's body off the ground. Without anything. And it's called truth. It's called truth. You see, many of you, you have lived so much in this life. You know, sometimes, do you know, I can't share what I want to share because I realize that the people with which we must share will not understand. They will not understand. They will not understand. So sometimes you also must hold back and say, okay, let me constrain, let me just hold back this by reason of self-control just to make sure that we minister to as much as far certain people can go. But you see, there are things in God you can never define by the human language. They can't be given a distinction of utterance. You cannot utter them and explain them fully for a man to understand. If Paul goes to the third dimension of the spirit, where he saw things which were not lawful to utter, or the Amplified says things which the human man, let's go to the 12th verse, uh, third verse, he says, and I know that this man, whether in the body or away from the body, I do not know. God knows. Next verse. He was caught up uh-huh, in poor paradise, and he had utterances beyond the power of man to put into words which man is not permitted to utter. Now, there's one place where the man has not the ability to utter. But it's another where even if the man has the ability to utter, he has not the permission to utter. That means that there are certain utterances that require certain permissions. That's why Paul speaks in the scriptures and says, and this I think I speak by permission. He says, and this I speak by permission. The same things he speaks not by permission. You get it? Paul speaks in the scriptures. There are places where he must seek or he will speak and tell you this one, I did not have all this. He says, but I speak this by permission and not of commandment. 
That means God cannot give it to me as an ordinance to throw it onto the layman. But he can plant it into my spirit. And I need a place of application and the understanding of these very things. And seek a life where I must seek permission from God to speak. If a man is still in the realm where everything that is revealed he can speak, that man has not gotten to a certain place in God. And I repeat that. If, 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 if everything that the Lord has shown you can be put in words, then you have not gotten to a certain place in the spirit. There are places in the spirit that require permission for speech. And that means that Jehovah God takes the time to judge the matter and find certain men wanting to receive certain things or at least you cast pearl into swine. You get what I'm trying to tell you? There are certain things that will never make sense to certain people. It's one thing to say that the carnal man cannot receive neither design the things of the spirit, for they are spiritually designed. If he says the carnal man cannot receive neither design the things of the spirit, it means that he has, he's just carnal. That's the reason why he is carnal. Can you read in the Amplified? Give it to me in the Amplified. Read. He says, but the natural man, non-spiritual, you see that? The guy who is not born again, does not, listen, accept. That means they'll reject it. Welcome or admit into his heart the gifts and teachings and revelations of the spirit of God. For they are, listen, folly, meaningless nonsense to him. And he is incapable of knowing them. Of, that is, progressively recognizing, understanding, and becoming better acquainted with them. Because they are spiritually designed and estimated and appreciated. It's one place when a man is incapable That means there's a place in the understanding of the things of the spirit where God gives the man the ability to understand. Certain people are able to understand certain things. Certain people are not able. The people who sit in this meeting and they go out and say, well, I I know that what they were saying is true. It is nice, but I don't understand. Don't pray to understand. Pray for the ability to receive. You get it? Because it's a strength by God. It's a strength by God. There's some things which, <laughs> that's why Paul speaks of a place where he says, I'm calm. That I, well, certain things I came to tell you. He says, but I realize you were not able to bear them. You were not able to bear. The word there to bear is like to carry. You could not get them into your system. Yet the guys is telling which he says are yet still carnal. Are the same guys which he says were enriched in all knowledge and utterance. That they come short in no gift. Because Christ was manifest in them. If in the first chapter he's talking of the Christ manifest, the knowledge in them increasing every other day, in our utterance they were perfect, but he still tells them in three, that I fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither are ye yet now able to bear. How can a man who knows everything, demonstrates the power, comes short in no gift, is equipped by all utterance, be still a babe to Paul? You know in chapter one he spoke of the experience. Of the Corinthians. He says, you guys know. I know you guys are like that. Why? Because, well, they could have increased in knowledge. They could have gone into a place where they walked in God. Full enough to be filled by all knowledge. Utterance means they knew how to speak what or how. When the Bible says, for the Lord has given me the tongue of the land to know how to speak a word to him. That is what? He's wearing season. He's speaking of an experience where he knows very well that God, he, he gives them a power. He, he gives a guy a power to know how. But even with all that ability, there's still a place in Paul that says, no, these guys are not as deep as I think they should be. You get it? Do you understand where I'm coming from? There's a person who says, oh, you see, now these things are too hard. I don't understand them. Is why don't you understand them? That should be the question. Why don't I understand the Bible? Why is it that I read the Bible and don't understand it? Why? How can you think that you're going to live that life and have certain experiences in God? Because there are certain experiences that are entirely aligned to how much truth you know. If you do not know, certain things will never happen in your life. It doesn't matter how much you pray. And that is why there are Christians who have failed to to relate between eh, how much they are doing and praying and how much they are receiving. You see? Everything you are enriched by him in all utterance and in all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ confirmed in you so that you come behind and no gift waiting for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. But in that chapter, they are babes. I'm trying to tell you there's a place beyond all utterance. I'm trying to tell you there's a place beyond all knowledge. There's a place where you say, I know. There's a place where you go past no. That's why he speaks of the place where you know the breadth, the length, the width, the height, 
of the love of God. When you know all these four, there were the four facets. In fact, those are actually four, four dimensions in the spirit. The length, width, height, depth, width, width. These, one time I preached it many years ago. I preached about those four facets of love actually clearly define the four dimensions of the spirit and how to grow therein. Many people are just worldly. They, they just understand the first, second dimension. What you define as three dimensional in the earth? In the spirit world, it's still one dimension. You get what I'm trying to tell you? And I'm not trying to use the word dimensions to scare you. Ah, no. But I'm only trying to tell you that these things do exist. So he says that when this bridge, the height, the length of this love of God is, you know, he says that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. He wants to take a person to the fullness that fills all things. And he, that, that you, he says that you might know the love that passes all knowledge. There is a love that passes all knowledge. There is, there is something that is beyond knowledge. It is still in God. Do you understand where I'm coming from? So they had all utterance. They could speak everything they could speak, or perhaps they knew how to speak. They were New Testament creatures. They knew how to break. They knew how to kill. They knew how to demonstrate the power. They knew how to do all these kinds of things. And, you know, in our primary places when we were growing up, we were very, very excited about the miraculous. You get it? Mom would tell you sometimes I would come from there and I'd tell him, hey, some lame guy walked, and I'm thinking I'm superstar. And then I realized, man, there is actually a life deeper than the realm. You see, even in the places of understanding, eh, the love of Christ which passes knowledge. You see that? It just passes knowledge. It goes past knowledge. Anyway. Even in the, in the, in the, in the, in the life that we live as Christians or as believers, okay? Many people never think that in heaven there's not going to be lame men. They ne- don't think that in heaven there's not going to be deaf ears or dumb blind eyes. Eh? Dumb Guys, you, you're not gonna go in. You're not gonna do miracles in heaven. <laughs> you get it. But the one biggest deception I've seen with Christians is they think in heaven we'll be equal, because they really don't read. Let me explain. He says, like a master builder, Paul says, I was given the grace to lay down the foundation of the gospel, and he says, let no other foundation be built save this one. And he says, how be it that let ye who build the Bible says, take heed how you build. You get it? The how experiences. He says, some will build with gold. Uh-huh. Foundation, gold, silver. If any man build, listen, upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stable. Next verse. Every man's work, the Bible says, listen, shall be made manifest. That means when a man fails in ministry, it's just the manifestation of his work. When a man fails in business, it's just a manifestation of his work. Because you see, like I told one people someday, many people know the cost of everything except the cost of ministry. Many people know the cost of machines, cars, DVD players, all these things. Oh, how much do I need to buy cement? But they don't really know the cost of ministry. That's why he says, who of you seeking to build a temple does not take time to what? To count the cost. Least, he says... The work mock at you and say. There's a place in the spirit realm where God has granted the things you do to have a mouth. They, they have a certain place where they can speak. Those things which you see like don't have anything. They have a place where they can say whether he has sufficiency to finish. At least after he has made the foundation, he's not able to finish it. And all that be, no, I want the mock, the, the, the mark, the mark story. Because I think it's in Mark where he says, list the work mock and say. Look, he began a work, and then he did not, what? Is this, the look? Yeah, least halfly, after he has laid the foundation, and he's not, uh-uh, 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 I'm not looking at that. I think it's in Mark, where he speaks of mockings, the work itself saying. It says, I think it's Mark or Matthew, one of the two, where he speaks of the work saying. Something starts to say. Before you even know, you enter a guy's house, the chairs are saying something. The shoes are saying something. Her bag is saying something. Her everything is saying something. You are the one who is not listening. You get it? You even get to a point where you convince yourself and say, ah, me, I don't care. Even if I have old shoes, as long as I have Jesus, no, shut up. <laughs> shut up. 
Shut up. Don't even say that. Don't say that. He asked his disciples, when I sent you without rubble, without a bag or shoes and pass, did you lack? And the Bible says, and they said, no, sir, we did not lack. He sent them with nothing. They came back full. Those are those who are sent of God. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now, the, the work can mock me. Your work, that business can mock you. And you wake up in the morning and the shop says, even though he's working hard, me, I am out. I'm done. Your shop can get tired before you. And even start communicating before you, you understand that it is. This one thing when something is talking to you, but you're refusing to hear. Do you understand where I'm from? Because there's a part in you that even if it should have had the slightest thing, it just cannot hear. You're listening to many voices save the voice of the spirit. Hallelujah. But you see, he said, let's go back to the scriptures. He says, some will build with gold, some with silver, some with precious stones, and some with hay. Uh-huh. And he says, every man's work shall be made manifest. For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Next verse. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, are you hearing me? He shall receive a reward. Next verse. If any man's work shall be burned, listen to what he shall do. He shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. So there are men which, whose works suffered loss, but they are saved as by fire. They are different from the men whose works endured or abide. Those are two different things. They are two different things. They are two different things. God would not have told us that store to, work to store in places where the moths and worms cannot reach. You get it? There's a man which is just going to accept God now and die. Like right now. There's a man who is going to serve God for 20 years. He's storing up something. In heaven, we're not going to be equal. We're not going to be equal. We're not going to be equal. The works burning, still the salvation is promised. You get it? That means that even in heaven, you must also cook up a certain story of where you should be in the heavenlies. Some people always say, even if I'm a gatekeeper in heaven, I will. You know, some people say, as long as they're a gatekeeper. Heaven. Why? Because for them, as long as they survive, they aspire. So then, the reality of, 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 of eternity starts to now paint in the picture of the simplest Christian that actually what you're being on earth has a, a direct effect on where you're going to sit in heaven. You understand what I'm trying to tell you? Because one thing many people have never seen, because again, they've not gone above the earthly. Heavenlies, the heavenlies have ministry. There is ministry in the heavenly places. I'll give an example. Look at the Son of God. The Bible says he ever liveth to make intercession. For? For? For unbelievers? You get it? That means presently now, Jesus is doing something now. But he's in heaven. You get what I'm trying to tell you? Because he is the Son of God. Now, at the particular point, you're going to realize that when we go to the scrolls of, of, of the book of Revelation, the seven scrolls, there is that one scroll where no man is worthy to open the, the scroll. And the scriptures say that even though no man was worthy to open the scroll, the same Bible tells us that the Lamb of God was worthy to open the scroll. Trumpets were blown. Prayers. But you see, when we go to the incense, he says, and the incense was the prayers which were made by the saints. Now those men by reason of appointment in the spirit realm, were appointed to make a particular prayer to cause the lamb to open that scroll. Now, many people don't know that the scroll is actually a move of the spirit. The certain men who know how to pray, what to pray, because they, they know the difference between the first, second, third, and the fourth scroll. They just don't see scrolls. They know what this particular scroll is. And when we're talking about the place where we're burning incense, even though spiritually in the heavenlies, there was incense being burned, on the athlete was translated as certain men praying. That was a different place of ministry. You get what I'm trying to tell you? Now, at the end of the day, whether you are looking at just incense burn on the earth or heaven, there is a direct ministry of what is exactly happening somewhere. You see, let me give you an example. Years ago, years ago, two, three years ago, I found a man and he came in my meeting and preached. And after preaching, he said these words. He says, God, your servant has seen 
the salvation of your people. Take me home. He said it when I was watching. I was watching. This guy, for years, has been praying for one guy called Grace Lubega. He has been a pastor all his life, doing his ministry, whichever way he wants. But he has been doing one thing, praying for. Now, there is a way I can be in my life and be funny. But there was a guy who prayed for me all these years. He was just wired in one place. And what contribution does that man have in the gospel? Speak. I was meeting a guy this afternoon. I was seated in a Sunday service preaching. And I told him that you're going to go to Nairobi. And you're going to find this man. I told him the name of the man and, where, and, and how they're going to meet. And I told him exactly what the man's work was. You get it? He goes to Nairobi, finds a man who all his life has been waiting for him. The moment the guy just arrived, the man said, no, welcome now, let's start ministry. You can understand? He, 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 left. he didn't even know why he was going. But when he gets in the city and he has the name of the guy, the first name he has, he goes to that guy. And he realizes that this guy has been waiting for him for years. You get where I'm coming from? Now, when this guy tells me the things he's doing, the miracles that are happening in his life, I know for a fact. But he's not the only contributor to his ministry. There's a certain man who understood a more deeper heavenly ministry than this guy. Do you understand where I'm coming from? So, this, even, even some of you, you might see yourself there. But you're a total sum of a certain man's intercession. You might have never known who did it. But there was a man all his life praying for you. He you, you are the thing he looked to, and he felt like he lost up in Now, that's why hey, when I hear some of our intercessors, which don't even know the mind of God, but they're also in church, do I even know? Do you even understand what they're praying? You get it? Then you're saying, why are you praying? Simeon said, he, all his life, he was just waiting. God had told him, you will not die until you see the salvation of Israel. That's all he knows. He's a prophet of his own right. He doesn't have a story like Malachi. You don't see him do exploits like Nehemiah. But he's just waiting for one guy like this. When he saw the Christ, the Bible says he prophesied on the Christ. He prophesied on the Christ and prayed for him. After praying for him, the servant of God went home. Now, if the son of God had a Simeon, what position would you give that kind of intercessor? Who can go in the next 20 years and see the move of God and come back and know it might not be for me that I preach these things or pray for these things. But there's one which is coming after me. And they'll be great in a certain way. You see, when, 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 when Abraham is moving, the Bible says he moved with the patriarchs. With the patriarchs. You understand? And the Bible says and he was moving place to place looking for a city whose founder was God. Why do you think he was moving? There's a place everywhere Abraham went and he realizes, no, this is not it. He moved to another place. He realized it's not it. He continued moving. But why is he really moving? He's moving because there's a place where he wants to find city of God, foundation Jehovah God. There was a certain glory that he saw should be in a country. There was something he knew this one must exist in a certain place. And it's one thing to move with a testimony of something you've never seen outside, but you still believe that it is so. And there are many people here like that. There's something they feel can happen in the gospel. They've not seen it on radio. They've not read it on the internet. They've never seen it in the newspapers. But they feel it exists. And the ones are just blank. Like that emoticon on WhatsApp which has read. You get it? They don't know. It is there or not. They're still on give us this day. Our daily bread. They're just asking for daily bread. They don't know that now he's the bread. They really, you can't explain to them that they have daily bread. He says, I am the bread. I am that bread of life. He said, I am that bread of life. Now, the guys he's telling, he'd not yet died. The fulfillment of the scriptures of the new creature had not yet come to manifestation. It was okay for that man to ask their daily bread. But it's another when that man gets to the bread in this system and he still thinks he needs daily bread. You got him. That was the mystery. Paul calls it the secret, which was eat from the edges past and now revealed. Christ in us, the hope of glory. He's in you. In him you live, move, and have your own being. You're full of bread. He's bread. You're bread. But you see, when you tell that to the guy, he says, oh no, he's talking about the Lord's prayer. Oh my God. You see how tradition is? You become more traditional than revelational. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. That is why every time you get to them and ask them, so what do they mean by lead us? Can God lead into temptation? They go, huh? Huh? Temptation? Lead? You see, the Bible says in James, that God tempteth not, neither is he tempted by evil. He tempteth no man by evil, neither tempteth he any man. But how many people think that when they tremble, they say, ah, God, you have tempted him, come on, get this is a no, 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 no. Because they have their own understanding of what they think is true, but they cannot put it in the context of truth. Anyway, let me leave there because you'll stone me. I have a few minutes here to go. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, you, you start to become a bit more mindful about the life of salvation. There was a time salvation was getting a job. And you've gotten the jobs. You've a narrow testimony every day here. The same salvation was getting men. And some of you have now a list. You want to choose whether I take Wesley or, you know. But there was a time you, there was a time you, huh? but there comes a time where Wesley comes. You get that car. You get a house. You get everything that money can give you. And you realize you can't get more. You get it. The guy called it all the labors of the my hands on the earthly were vanity. You get it? If a man of the soul can live in the spirit long enough to return under the sun. <laughs> he says, for I returned under the sun and saw that all things were vanity. He returned. He's saying in his own statement, a soulish realm. And it's true. I see a prophet in the Old Testament, 100% so. Going to heaven, finding a meeting ending. And he's saying, who shall we send? And he says, send me, Lord. If men by souls, natural men, can be translated to the spirit realm by reason of yielding, how much more you spirits? Now, the psalmist has said that I've seen an end of all perfection. But the word, your word, your commandment still became broader. This is a man who, by experience as a soul, saw all the end of perfection in the soulish realm. Now, anything that can satisfy a man's soul, David saw. You get it? He saw. Now, if you're a spirit man, and that very scripture comes to you, he means to say that there is an end to everything perfect in the spirit realm. And after that end is there, there's still another depth. But we're dealing with men who are, who, who are going to settle for perfection. Of the thing. And I'm not talking anymore about the perfection of the spiritual things or in the spiritual things. I'm talking of a life that goes past the perfection of anything perfect spiritually. That means that the law of liberty, James calls it the law of free men, is applied in you. You get it? He says that if you continue to look into the what? The perfect law of liberty, not being a what? A forgetful here. He says you shall be what? Blessed in everything you do. You're blessed in everything you do. But you see, Christians don't even know freedom, like the man was saying. You get it? But he says, whosoever looketh into the perfect law, he looketh. Whosoever. It means there's a place where it doesn't matter who. Anybody just look into it of liberty and continuous therein. He being not a forgetful hearer, because you see, look at this correlation. He looketh and he starts to hear. So I'm talking of hearing by perception. I don't know whether you understand. <laughs> you entered in with the eyes to see. But as these eyes started to see, a sudden voice came to explain what you saw. So he says, whosoever looketh in the perfect law of liberty. In fact, when you study the Greek, the Hebrew, Greek language there, you realize that the perfect law of liberty is the ability for the man to see in all dimensions of the spirit. And continuing therein, not being a forgetful hearer. That means even as I'm walking in the spirit realm, I'm seeing things that are being explained to me. I mean, if a man in the soul can say, and then the angel of the Lord took me. And then the angel of the Lord led me. And then the angel of the Lord did this. And you see, up to today, we're still dealing, and I'm going to say a very hard thing here, with New Testament creatures seeking for particular days in the exploitation of the things of the Spirit. Because you see, they can find Ezekiel, and he says, in the day of the Lord, I was carried up by this. But you see, Ezekiel needed a day to focus and function. No, no, no. You, you don't need a day. Every day. Every day now is the day of the Lord for you. Every day now is a day of the Lord for you. You don't need a special day going for prayer mountain to three days. To, look, ask the guys. I've met even, that's why sometimes me seeing in the spirit, I, it's not that I despise it, but I've tried by the grace of God to make it seem too simple for men. Because there was a time we complicated it and lost the bigger picture. 
after I have seen, what next? So I said, do you see the spirit? Oh my God, he can see. He's a prophet. And we've seen. We've spoken things and they've come to pass. Okay, there's an end to that. Now, after I see, after I see, now I have seen, yes. But you see, if he can, if the angel of the Lord can lead a man, and then you read a man with a soul experiencing the seven spirits of God. He calls them the seven spirits of God. Not that the spirits of God are split in seven ways, no, but that the spirit of God is functioning in seven dimensions, earthly. You get it? Because you see, the ministry on the earth of the spirit is different from the ministry in the heavens of the spirit. The way the spirit works in the heavenly places is different from the way the spirit works in the earthly places. Many people are acquainted with the functions of the spirit earthly, but they are not acquainted with the functions of the spirit heavenly. That is why they can do a few earthly exploits, but can't move heavenly experiences. There was a time I understood how to open heaven. And there was a time I understood how to operate under a consistently constant open heaven. I, I don't need to go to a prayer mountain to move God. And I don't need to close my eyes to see the miracle. I just know everywhere. You must exercise your spirit unto godliness. To a place where everywhere is open. Anything can happen. Anywhere. I mean anywhere. Anywhere. Anytime. We're not called for a few visitations and a few special moments with the Holy Spirit. Some of you, that's why some of you misunderstand seasons. Because some of you think seasons is just a, a given period. That's your definition. But you see, when you understand the distinctions of season in a certain understanding, you'll know why the Bible speaks of a man who is like a certain seed planted in two, a certain tree planted by a particular place, and it produces fruit. The Bible says, in its own season. It, 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 it stopped responding to the seasons of the earth. And started working its own season. Where now? Where now? It is no longer waiting for the season. Of the general opinion of the church. No. Whether the church feels it or it's not. It can create its own season. And it shall be like a tree. Uh-huh. Thank you someone tree. Planted by the rivers of water. That bringeth forth his fruit. In his season. Not in the season. The place where you stop. Be excited about the seasons of the earth and start to know how to arrest your own seasons. Because the Bible says that for every purpose under the sun, for every purpose under the sun, there are seasons and times. For every purpose under the sun, there are seasons and times. That means when a man understands the purposes, divine purposes of Jehovah God, and you know that they can only move by the principles of seasons and times, you realize that there are certain seasons and times that might not be available for the purpose that you carry at that opportune moment. Who understands what I mean? I want to do a crusade in the month of March, but war has broken up in the nation. Therefore, that even though it's a season for salvation, the enemy stirred up a certain spirit because he can function in that angle. The enemy can attack seasons in men's times. But the moment those seasons stop to just be seasons, occasional, for what is distributed and poured out on the earth, and those seasons become personal by the man knowing where he must be planted, he can't rob that kind of season. That is why one time they gave a story of uh, Andrew Womack. They said in the time of the recession, his ministry received the most in the history. So... Why is it that in the time when America is poorest most, a certain man's church has received most, and some churches were indebted in the very season? He learned to seize his season and separated it from the seasons of the earth. Now, they might not feel the presence, but I have a season I can move to lift and put a presence when I want, where I want, how I want it, and create my own season. And in the very season, create times in the lives of men to attend to my season without necessarily being affected by whether there is a season or no season. Now, that is deeper than revival. Because, you see, revival becomes a season. And they say, oh, first great awakening, second great awakening, more revival, first charismatic movement, holiness movement. We're talking of something that is older 
than any revival. I don't know whether you understand. Let's continue in the Psalms. End of all perfection. Let me show you. Let me show you. Uh-huh. Next verse. Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Next verse. Uh-huh. Though through thy commandments has made me wiser than mine enemies. You know what that means? Do you know, do you know the difference between triumphing over your enemies and just being wiser than them? That means that they can set a plot here and then you do this. As in I'm wiser. Now, I'm not talking of a place where you have enough power to pray the devil out of your house. I'm talking of a place where you have a certain glory on you that can figure out the devil before he figures you out. That, 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 that can dodge him before he plans. I don't know whether you understand what I'm trying to tell you. See, many Christians are just interested in remedio. They just try to heal what is hurt. You get it? Or they just try to protect what is already attacking. They, they want experiences where Pharaoh is behind and there is water ahead. But I'm talking of experiences where if Pharaoh comes ahead, God can give you a certain mind. Are you hearing me? To mislead Pharaoh. To a place where the devil can't figure you out. Even if he tries, he can't. You're just wiser. You're just wiser. So when Paul says, brethren, we're not ignorant of his devices. You know what Paul is saying? Paul is saying, well, let's not waste 20 minutes, 45 minutes, speaking about demonic curses. He's saying, I would rather have you wise unto that which is good and very simple concerning evil. Instead of telling you 20 ways for how demons can attack your family, let me teach you the wisdoms which is of God. He says, I would rather have you wise and to that which is good and simple concerning evil. Do you know what happens when you do that? Do you know what happens? Yeah. Read the next verse and see. And the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet. After a long time. After 20 years. After 30 years. No. He says the God of peace shall bruise the devil shortly. You won't suffer from cancer. Seven years. You won't have HIV. Two years. You won't have a problem financially. Three days. You won't have marital issues. Four months. No. He shall hit the devil shortly. Can I now have you wise unto that which is good? Oh, demonic curses, sister's brothers, sister's cousin, your mother's cousin, your cousin's brother, the demon of your uncle, it came on you, and then the cousin's demon, and then the great-grandfather's demon, and you know so much about devils, but you know too little about the life that can make you fly without wings. Because all you ever learned was you thought you could only fly with wings. Do you understand what I'm saying? Do you get? Now let's finish Psalms. Let's finish Psalms. Now, read. I have, listen to where the Lord has said that man. He says, I have more understanding than all my teachers. For thy testimonies are thy meditation. They're my meditation. I meditate on what you intend to do in the best teacher. And I go past it. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, even if God is saying, I'm going to do this in this man's life, I have meditated a life deeper than one he could ever do in a certain man's life. Who understands what I'm saying? Who understands what I'm saying? Now, how can a man like that write the book of Psalms and it just becomes a season of 1922? Even in 2015, the Psalms is big. Even next year, you're going to read the Psalms. Even when you get to a point of death, you're going to leave the book of Psalms. Even your children's children are going to... The Psalms has a, re- a wealth. It has a power to it that has gone past the borders of any season and time. It will define season and time for any man. But it will carry a distinction of eternal seasons that no man can ever phase it out. It will still be necessary in 2030 when robotics has filled the world. When every man is working on robots... And Google has become more crazier than you think. There is still going to be a man who will open the Psalms and see 10,000 falling at one side and 1,000 on the other and see that no arrows flying by day, neither the pestilences by night coming and he shall send angels charge over me. Do you understand? There's a man who will read it and gain a certain anointing. That's the place where we create sustenance in ministry. Let me tell you, even if I died now, Four generations, five generations, they'll still dig out my CDs. The Lord dealt with me this issue years ago. It doesn't matter if you don't believe it. Nobody believed you'd be reading Psalms in 2015. Learn to minister from that place. 
Learn to build ministry from that place. Learn to build relationships, businesses from that place. Learn to build lives from that place. Learn to invest in such ministries. Do you get what I'm trying to tell you? Why? Because you see, you have a short time on the earth, but why do you waste time? Why do you waste the little small time that you carry? Do you think that these words can come out to you like they are alive and you don't go out a changed man? It's impossible. Whether you want it or not, you're going to experience a certain life. Now, like Paul says, as I finish, you know, I was telling people the other day, when a man says, now I'm ready to be poured out as an offering. This is Paul. He preached the gospel to a point where he got so full to the brim that he was just ready to be poured out as an offering. He was just ready to be poured out as an offering. That any man receiving from Paul feels like Paul is just giving him offering. Because the cup of his experiences had become too, too deep, too crazy. I could speak on that for another one hour. I'll share that, I promise. I, I want to speak of the place where men become offering. It's a long one, but some of you need to go home. You have children. Raise your hands and speak to Jesus. Now, in such preachings, I don't know what you ask. I don't know whether you're going to ask for a job. I don't know whether you're going to ask for... But the power of God is here. The spirit of God is here. To launch men in that place. Which one? You, you understand. Holy Spirit. Launch somebody there. Just launch somebody there. The things we can't explain by human language. But you can launch a man there. You can just take somebody there. And it's okay if they don't return. We'll still see them in the body. Some of you need to go to a place where you can't come back. You need to walk in a realm where you can never return again. Or if you should return, you cannot return a carnal man anymore. You must return back a spirit man. You must return. The, the true definition of death is when you really die to the world and become alive unto God. Somebody hunger. Somebody hunger. May the Lord you take you to places that no man can ever take you. May the Lord launch you to experiences that no man can ever explain. May the Lord launch you to realms that no man can ever interpret. May the Lord take you places that no human language can explain. Because when you come out of that kind of experience, you will have a message for your generation. You'll have a message for your people. You'll have a message for your mother. You'll have a message for your father. You'll have a message for your children. You'll have a message for your children's children. Asian words long preserved for our in this world they resound with God's own heart all at the Asian words let it be your prayer Asian words Yeah. Mm-hmm.
say something and say words of life. Words of life. Words of hope. Give us strength. Help us grow in this world where we roam. Just raise your hands right now and repeat these words after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe with my heart and I confess with my mouth that you are Lord. There are sick people. If you're sick, touch where it's paining right now in the name of Jesus. I command that pain to leave you now. I command that pain to leave you now. Devil, I command you to go. Go! And never should you come back again. In Jesus' name. And the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, is with us all. Down forever. The message you have just heard was brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number 041-466-4291 or email us at fenerocompala at gmail.com. You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at Uma Multipurpose Hall from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can also catch the live stream at livestream.com slash Fenero. Finero, make manifest.